That's the chaotic finale of Carnival Knowledge, the 10-act sideshow of the strange and unusual that Todd Robbins has performed for New York crowds for nearly two decades. Mr. Robbins grew up in a staid Southern California town. To amuse himself, he learned some card and magic tricks at a local magic shop from some of the old timers, many of whom had worked in sideshows. But when the sideshow itself came to town, he was hooked. It was extraordinary ability beyond the capabilities of the average person. Some of the old timers, I pestered them until they said, okay, we'll teach you how to do the dangerous stuff, just don't tell your parents. I went, cool, great. Today, Todd Robbins is still doing the dangerous stuff, stuff one should never do at home, like eating and swallowing glass light bulbs. It's a feat he learned from a sideshow master called the human ostrich. I'm gonna bite into it and then I'll, I'll chew on the glass. That's one trick Mr. Robbins will not teach his students here at the Coney Island Sideshow School. But over the past two years, dozens of New Yorkers have learned other tricks. And people learn sword swallowing, fire eating, how to walk over broken bottles in their bare feet, the art of the blade box, the electric chair act, how to talk the front, be the outside talker, how to lay down on a bed of nails and all kinds of strange unusual feats like that. And there's really no other place where you can learn this. It's a fantasy camp for them. They probably will never perform this professionally, but it's a cool thing to do for their family and friends. Actually, Seth Goodwin, one of Mr. Robin's students, has already made money by betting some people in a bar that he could hammer a 15-centimeter nail into his nostril and live. Moments before class starts, Mr. Goodwin demonstrates the classic blockhead maneuver. Well, what I'm going to do is first I'm going to take this uh, big nail and make sure I get the proper placement, feel good about it. Oh yeah, that feels good. And I'll take something and hammer it halfway in that. Oh yeah, that feels pretty good. Let's go, go for the rest of the way. Oh, ah, yeah, okay, that's the back. That's as far as it goes. Todd Robbins says that audiences pay just to see how far a sideshow performer will go in his tricks. But they also love to be astonished by tricks they just can't figure out. It's very important that you uh, experience amazement because the world is an amazing place if people just open their minds. Or their throats, at least for prospective sword swallowers like Aaron Beebe, who practices hard every morning with a bent wire coat hanger what they call a poor man's sword. Supposedly there will come a magical day when you no longer gag and the coat hanger goes right down your throat. All right, you're going to try it now. There might be a little bit of gagging here, right? There might be, or maybe I'll hit that magical point (laughs) and actually surprise myself. So, you know, I tip my head back and the, uh... (laughs) Excuse me. Nasty. Now, why do you want to do this at all? Initially, I really saw it as sort of research. I think I was, I wanted to sort of really understand what this whole Coney Island thing is about. And then I found out it's really exciting. I think I'm actually good at some of these things, you know. 15-year-old Pierce Delahunt is here to learn the art of fire eating. Todd Robbins drenches the cotton end of a homemade torch with benzene, what sideshow types call boom juice. Boom juice, that's what we like to call it, because it has boom to it. At last week's class, the teenager used his tongue to put out a little fire at the end of a flaming skewer. 
But before he tries a new trick that has just been carefully explained to him, I ask him if he was scared the first time he did this. The first time I put the torch in my mouth, I was terrified. Like, my face got all clenched and my eyes bugging out. But, uh, but once I realized that if you do it correctly, it does not hurt at all, then I was okay with it, and it was really cool. Is it a good way to meet girls? Oh, absolutely. The tiny stage is darkened. Pierce takes a swig from the bottle of benzene, lights his torch, and prepares to spray the liquid from his mouth. This will create a fiery blast that might easily send every one of his long curly locks up in flames. I guess it worked this time. Very cool. No, actually, very hot. <laughs> At Todd Robbins Coney Island Sideshow School in New York, I'm Adam Phillips reporting for Main Street. To most Americans, that is the sound of a carousel or merry-go-round. But to carnival and circus workers, what you're hearing is a jenny or a flying jenny if the wooden horses go up and down. Sideshow entertainer and historian Todd Robbins says that's just one example of the special vocabulary of the carnival. These traveling shows would roll into town, set up for a day or perhaps a week or two, then pull up stakes and move on to the next stop. And because of this nomadic quality, they have a tendency to rely upon themselves and not look to the communities uh, for much other than basic supplies. And it kind of builds up these walls around these uh, carnival and circus people. So because of that, there's a certain jargon that has developed. A certain shady reputation developed as well. Mr. Robbins freely concedes that over the years, certain carnies, as carnival folks are often called, have deserved mistrust. He points to the midway, the section of the carnival where food stands and games are set up, and where the customers, called marks, wander around, distracted by all the activity. The term mark comes from having someone put a mark on a person's back with a little piece of chalk. For instance, they were at a game or they were uh, at a food stand and took out their wallet and they got what's known as a peek at the poke, which means they saw what they had in the wallet, and there was a lot of money there. So they'd put a little mark on the person's shoulder, so as they were going along, the games people would be really working to get them in to take the money, the con artists and stuff. So there, there is that element there. Today, carnivals are part of a regulated industry, and sideshows, where they exist at all, are tame affairs. However, Todd Robbins says that 40 or 50 years ago, carnivals provided an all-day exotic adventure for entire communities. They'd come out and watch them put up the tent and set up the whole show. They'd wander around. They'd see them watering and exercising the animals. And then an hour before the show would start, they would open the side show right next to the entrance. And they'd say, you know, the show is so big on the inside here that we cannot even put it in the main tent there. We have a whole separate show featuring strange, unusual, bizarre, and beautiful people. It is the side show. So if you want to come in and see it. Mr. Robbins lapses easily into the cadence of an old-time barker 
The term non-carnival people call the man standing outside the tent, trying to lure customers inside. Traditionally, the barker is known as the outside talker. And a barker in a carnival is actually a guard dog. If you ask where the barker is, they'll say, you know, here, King, come on over here, boy, come on here, come on over here. Admission to the traditional sideshow was often very cheap. Once inside, however, there was ample opportunity to, as Mr. Robbins puts it, relieve oneself of more money. That's what dings are for. Magic act might sell you a magic trick. The giant might sell a giant's finger ring. The uh, dwarf or midget in the show might sell a miniature Bible. We're not quite sure why it's called a ding, but I think it's the sound of a cash register ringing up a sale. Most sideshows contain 10 acts, with an obligatory extra act added on. At the end of the show, there's something called the blow-off, which is an additional charge, and it was usually something very strong. There was a term called working strong, which meant there was something shocking and, and startling about it. Like in our show, we have a girl that turns into a gorilla right before your eyes. It was often what's known as a half-and-half which would be a half-man, half-woman, a hermaphrodite, who would talk about their condition, and then you would step behind the curtain into the annex, which is the curtained-off area where the blow-off would be presented, and sell a little postcard showing themselves uh, in the nude. It was a sight that kept almost everyone in the audience either amazed or fooled, and kept the carnies in the money. For more about sideshows and sideshow jargon, visit Tom Robbins' website at carnivalknowledge.com. That's C-A-R-N-I-V-A-L-K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E dot com and take it from there. I'm Adam Phillips reporting from Coney Island, New York.